Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of SourceFind Asia, co-host of Main Channel Podcast. And of course, I'm joined by Alan Scanlon, who is uh, my business partner in Hong Kong. Um, this is a part two to the episode that we did previously uh, about the project that we've been working on since, uh, it was like October, uh, mm, with, yeah. with, with uh, Event Fuel. That's Fuel, what's the website? Fuel. Fuel. Uh, eventfuel.ie eventfuel.ie yep. and is eventfuel in conjunction with paypal and we, we just wanted to close off what we discussed in the first project what we discussed in the first episode about the first project and then talk about what we're doing next so without further ado cue the intro music i don't want to be a product of my environment i want my environment to be a product of me In the previous episode, we were, I think I was in Portugal. I feel like that would have been early December last year. And we were at a stage where we had started to ship out most of the goods or most of the goods had arrived in various countries. I think it was how many countries, like over a hundred countries or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just all over, all over um, Southeast Asia and then all over Europe and, and, and the States because we had sent the, the kind of bulk shipment into the US. So it was, it was East and West Coast and, and all over Middle America as well. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know exactly how many countries in in Europe, but then we obviously had, a, had quite a bit in, in Southeast Asia. In Southeast Asia. So it was a lot of different, probably one of the most diverse uh, shipping processes I've done. But, uh, you know, like I've shipped to a lot of different countries, but that was the most in one goal, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, maybe, okay, maybe some of the crowdfunding campaigns, but then the crowdfunding campaigns would be a situation where we would ship it to a distribution center that we were kind of hands off from there. But like, this was a situation where our actual freight forwarder was involved with shipping to every, every place and sometimes even direct to consumer. So it was a interesting situation. I mean, for the most part, pretty smooth when you think about when they contacted us and what the deadline was and all that stuff. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, guys, uh, check it out. It's on YouTube. There's a video and there's also a podcast as well. If you want to hear the audio version, so you can hear the story about how the whole uh, how we even got this uh, business in the first place. But that being said, we what happened since that time period was that we, we've finally started to close out the project 100%. Like we had shipped out, I would say, 95% of the goods, but we had in the Philippines specifically. Uh, and luckily, I am in the Philippines because if this was another country, I don't even know what we would have done. But like uh, mm -hmm. in the Philippines specifically, we had issues with uh, taxes. So even though we um, our quotes that we paid uh, for uh, that we got from the freight forwarder was including taxes, both international like import taxes and export from China, Philippines is a different animal. Um, they take you know additional fees, and they were just taking random. We had about two thousand packages coming into the Philippines. And I would say, I mean, I don't know the exact number, but it was about $10. Oh, so I guess it would be 500 packages that were taken aside randomly for additional taxes because uh, we had to pay an additional $5,000, roughly $5,000 in, in fees. 
that was fine. It was smooth up until after Christmas. I think after after Christmas, like we'd already out of the five hundred packages, let's say, we had already shipped like four hundred, and then after Christmas, it was like an additional hundred left. We didn't know the exact numbers because they weren't giving us the exact numbers. And it was just dragging and dragging and dragging where we were trying to contact the same people that we've been dealing with in customs and everything. And, you know, they weren't replying. We were calling them. I asked one of my employees here in the Philippines who wasn't even like her job is sales or her job was sales because she's not uh, working for us anymore. But I asked her to help and call because I, was, I, I got this feeling when I was calling FedEx here. First of all, I wanted to go there. They were like, oh, it's COVID, uh, Omicron, you can't come, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, fine. But then at the same time, the person that I was speaking to, the customer service person that I was speaking to, I just felt that they didn't fully understand what I was saying. Like as much as English is the first language and they teach them in school here, Tagalog is still very dominant. Maybe a lot of people don't, if they don't interact uh, or if they're not as educated, they might not understand your accent in English. So I just I just felt that. So I was like, okay, I need one of my Filipina or Filipino or Filipina employees to talk. And she said she called. I'm not sure if she actually called because because she said that when she called, nobody was picking up the phone. But then when I called, people p- picked up the phone. So it was like a little bit strange. Yeah. Then I started asking one of my friends. This dragged on for like a month. So we're talking about end of December, early January. So at that time, I was like, oh, it's holidays. That's why, you know, it's slow, whatever. It's holidays, holidays. We go into the end of January, and I'm like, this is this is taking way too long. And then, of course, we had Chinese New Year, so that also kind of put things on pause for a bit. But towards the end of Chinese New Year, which was like mid-February, I just started thinking to myself, I was like, I think I need to have somebody else help me with this, not uh, the other employee. So I started talking to one of my friends who I've known for four years and I know she's super responsible and everything and she's helped me with a lot of different things. Um, Her name is Jamie. So I asked her to start like calling and and she was getting through. So like, okay, you know, the other employee was was not getting through and then Jamie on the first day that she starts calling, she's getting through. So it's like clearly, you know, something was off there with, with the first employee. And then, yeah, Jamie's more of like, she's a firecracker. Like, she just fucking gets things done. And she just started calling them like two, three times a day, sending them, you know, multiple, multiple emails, some, you know, lightly veiled uh, threats here (laughs) through email. Like, you know, uh, yeah. So, uh, so then she started getting responses. She started getting information, information that we were not receiving for two months. It was still slow because then we go into March. And then in March, we start to, like, it was almost like a mystery. It was like, where, where are the goods? Like, how many goods are left? Like, what, are there any additional taxes to be paid? We were owed, they owed us money. There was a credit that, that uh, we had with them as well. So it was like, can we apply that credit to the additional taxes? Like, it was all these little small details that they were not answering before. So we started to unravel all that stuff. And then in the end, cut to, you know, now, we only have like one package left that will be shipped to the one of the addresses and then we have uh probably i think it's at like 30 packages or 30, something like uh, that. 33 33 packages that uh, will be shipped back to to hong kong the, the the big problem is the is what's going on in the freight world right now and what's going on just collectively with with everything in the in the kind of supply chain um, mm-hmm. and what i've what i've read a few times and it's happening across the board in all different industries a lot of 
companies are letting go of customer service people. Mm. So customer service levels have declined massively. And, and a lot of companies are just ignoring certain certain issues or if like it's like because our, our issue is relatively small in terms of a like a, a FedEx and a DHL and what they're dealing with in the day to day at the yeah. moment with what's going on in general. So you're either not getting through to people, they're ignoring it, it's way down on the priority list. Um, like you said, the, the language and the understanding issue, which we're really used to with dealing with China, right? Like the Chinese, yes, where you're talking to someone and they say they understand you and they don't have a clue what you're talking about because they don't want to lose face. So you've got to go back and you've got to be really clear and, ma- and make sure people understand. And you mm-hmm. have that issue with, like I certainly have that issue all the time with accents like people not understanding what I'm saying. And as my wife says, I mumble a lot. So I'm that issue. And so it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's across the board, right? the, the, the language thing, but then just what's going on in the world at the moment with freight and supply chain is just these companies are on their knees and they just have so many issues. So like, hence why it took so long. And even now with these 33 boxes, we're having them sent to Hong Kong and we need to get them to Shanghai and fuel the customer is like, oh, like when can they go to Shanghai and Shanghai's in lockdown. And we have no knowledge of when that lockdown is going to end. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's such a small, like it's 33 boxes, right? So it's, it's again, it's, it's, it's obviously important because it's our customer and they need to get it done. But when you can't give people answers and, and we've been dealing it for the last two years, like, People asking when you can get stuff produced, how long it's going to take to ship, how long it's going to the mass production is going to take, and we just don't have clear sight of these things anymore. It's just not as straightforward as as it used to be. As it used to be, yeah. But uh, that's that's the biggest issue. Uh, j- just to touch on uh, one of the points that you made, um, this is why it's also important to have boots on the ground, right? Like we've been talking yeah. about this with China for like years and years and years, ever since I started working in China and when Mike was there. And it's the same thing in a place like Philippines or, you know, some of the other developing countries where there's manufacturing going on. When you do have problems, like there was such a clear difference between when we were just trying to talk to, and I'm in the Philippines physically, but like I'm not Filipino and I don't fully understand the business language and stuff like that Hmm. yet. I'm still learning that side of things. But like, it's a big difference between like emailing and trying to call people versus like having somebody who's a local, who speaks the language, who understands the culture, physically going to a location and talking to people. And like, we struggled from December to March. And then basically Jamie has gotten this shit done in like the space of three weeks to a month. You know what I mean? No, listen, like being able to do stuff face-to-face in general across the board with business just makes makes it all it's a lot easier but it's it can make it a lot more urgent because if you're if you're talking to someone and explaining to them rather than over an email or even over a call it's just i think it's just more inclined as humans to 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 kind of get that shit done yeah and then of course going back to the lockdown yeah it's it's like from a mass production standpoint things are generally consistent i think the, the biggest issue is the shipping Shipping is like, that's because in this situation, like literally right now, we have a, uh, not not connected to fuel, but I know even with fuel, there's that situation. But like, we have another project that the, the production has been done for three weeks. We can't send a QC team in there. Yeah. And we can't get the goods out of there. 
Yeah, the, I mean, the port in Shanghai is yeah. the biggest in the world, right? Yeah, so it's just a, like those kind of things are the, the part that is the most difficult when it comes to COVID and the unpredictability of everything. It's just, it's like yeah. your production's done, but you can't inspect the goods. You can't ship out the goods until, yeah. you know, things are... I, things are I, I was talking to my brother yesterday and with the family business and they've already, they've, they've nearly finished production on all of the Christmas stuff for this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So normally they'd order they'd order the Christmas stuff in May, try get it all done by May, and they mm-hmm. the production is nearly finished because they're like, because because the business is going quite well, they've just over ordered everything because at the moment product is king, yeah. uh, like you're seeing it all over the place, and I, I just from experience with Ireland and 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 dealing with the family stuff, there's so many companies who can't get product in, um, and then all these lockdowns and delays are just when you eventually get that money together and you can buy something, you need to give yourself an extra two, three, four months to get it all in. Like freight's taking double the time to get across to Europe in a lot of cases. And then trying to get on the production line, trying to get your customers to give you the orders early, all that sort of stuff. It's, um, it's just made everything a lot more complicated. Yeah. And uh, this is where, I mean, not to, to beat a dead horse, but this is where it's important, like when you're working with companies, like if you're in North America right now, like to go to China, to go to some countries in Southeast Asia, it's, it's quite, well, any, any, if you're outside of Asia, to go to some of these countries, it's quite difficult to do it you yourself. You can't go to China. Yeah, you can't go to China, of course, unless you had like a residency permit or, you know, these kind of things. And the quarantine is going to be ridiculous as well, you know. Um, it's I mean, no, one, no one's doing it for business. No one's going yeah. to travel that way and spend two weeks in quarantine. Yeah. So it's really important to be able to rely on other people and rely on other companies to to get some of this stuff done. And then, of course, just adding that buffer. That's why, I mean, with, with me and you, I've, I've been, you know, me and you have been trying to push uh, a few, just be like, hey, be prepared that, you know, you saw what happened with the Christmas thing. Of course, we delivered 99% of the goods yeah. on time. But there was that one percent in the Philippines that like got delayed for three months. Like these are the kind of things that we cannot predict. Yeah, you, know? you just can't you just can't know, right? But like it's it's yeah. good as well. Now we have a we've got like Jamie in place and a plan in place so we don't have this happen again because yeah, it looks like PayPal are gonna be hiring a lot of people in the Philippines and we're doing the starter packs now for for PayPal as well. So it, there's going to be a lot of goods going there so at least we have that experience but i mean as you said like 99 percent of the project we we nailed it especially in that time frame to oh, do man, it was ridiculous was, was mad. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah um i think like i think that's going to really stand to us moving forward moving forward with them on that on that project but again like just kind of back to it like having having um having the team in in china the source foundation team in china is just it's absolutely key um yep. like we wouldn't have been able to do that project without them uh, being being outside of mainland trying to deal with like all of the sourcing and stuff possibly but like the packing of the goods and then dealing with all the freight i mean it's the biggest project i've worked on in terms of well probably not the biggest in terms of quantity of, of product but in terms of the variety of product variety and scales yeah like the different, different countries like, and yeah exactly and like yeah. sending stuff in bulk to the states packing the stuff for europe and sending it in bulk and then sending it individually around 
China and Southeast Asia, like it was, um, there was, a, there was a lot of, a lot, a lot of, a lot of spinning plates going on mm. um, at, at each time. You know, I'll, you know, uh, this is random, this is kind of a side note, but like, uh, I'm so happy I was in Portugal at that time <laughs> because it was extremely stressful, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, just because of the deadlines involved with it, like I was actually genuinely like my girlfriend knows because she was with me at the time. And I was in the perfect place to be in that situation because I was staying in uh, when the project started, I was staying in like this house, which I, I guess I can, you know, Lord uh, just post like a picture of the house. There's an Airbnb I was staying in, which was in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of like the forest. So it was super quiet and super chilled. Mm. So what I would do is I'd pretty much just wake up at like five, six o'clock in the morning, take my dog for a walk for like an hour, an hour and a half. And it was just beautiful, serene uh, nature, you know, just hearing animal sounds and yeah, things yeah, like this. Yeah. And then I'll come back and make myself breakfast, make my girlfriend breakfast. And then I would just start working on the PayPal stuff. But the PayPal stuff was so like intense that I think me being in that environment kind of just leveled it out a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. then of course maybe like in the afternoon we go to the beach and things like that, or sometimes we'd have like a little picnic at the, at the beach at night or something. So it was just like a good, it was a good balance. I think it was perfect for that particular high pressure situation for me. Yeah. But yeah, that's random, random side note. But yeah, I think that is. I mean, of course, the whole point of of this podcast is really just to let people know that these things are possible and how you how you're supposed to handle them. But yeah, I think that we obviously we did a good job not to, you know, pat ourselves on the back too much. But I'm interested to see how the starter packs are going to go. Yep. How the next, you know, the next stuff that we're doing with with fuel is going to yeah. go. I mean, we kind of touched, we've we spoken about it before and after after we we got things going. I remember calling you one day and, and just thinking like, there has to be something here with this project, this online events, giftware kind of concept and was like, let's put together a, a PDF presentation. Let's try and like send it out to different people. And my concern was sourcing operation and not a mark. We don't have a marketing team. We don't have all these bits and pieces. And I was a bit like, if you, if you cold call these people, are they going to take you seriously? Are they going to listen to you? And we're not necessarily adding loads of value there. So I thought, okay, well, maybe there's some option to work with fuel. Got onto Brian there, the owner. And he was like, we've actually already started this process. And their plan was to build out a website, basically blueprint the PayPal concept, and then go out and approach companies all over the world with kind of between 15 and 20,000 plus employees. So I've been working on that with them in terms of how we can build in and us kind of acting as um, as fuel sourcing office in, in Hong Kong and China. They've just sent out, I think, 30,000 emails. Um, and there's like a small hit rate, you, like whatever. I think it's like, what, a 2 or 3% you tend to get um, leads with. But they're actually also doing, I don't know if I told you this, Brian only told me yesterday, I think they're going on a sales mission to san francisco this week or next week so they've sent out all these emails and and kind of the the, the top management crew from the company are going to fly out they're setting up a u.s office for the event side space for online and, and in-person events but 
when they came back and said, no, we're looking at doing this straight away, I was like, like, that's what you need. Like, we don't have the capability to go to San Francisco and start knocking on doors, right? Because again, okay. you would listen to us. But if you've got that team and that marketing kind of um, part of your operation behind you, it's, it's, it, just, it just helps you get the foot of the door a lot easier. Um, and I think they've got 80 odd employees in the business now, but they're, they're kind of pushing on big growth into the UK and into the US market. And they've just bought uh, a wellness and fitness festival in Ireland and the UK. So I think they bought 50% of that. So there's like a lot of opportunity to put products instead in terms of yoga mats and yoga balls and all that sort of stuff. So I think again, like it comes back to partnering with the right people and having that kind of that kind of team in place. And we concentrate on what we're good at. Let them concentrate on that. Well, I mean, I don't know if we dis- discussed this before in the podcast, but like, I mean, it's kind of like with me and you, right? Like the first time you contacted me, I remember it was about the I think it was about the whiskey cases, whiskey boxes. Yeah, yeah, whiskey boxes, yeah. And uh I just remember when we had like a discussion, like we had a call and everything and we talked about like how the partnership could work for me. I was thinking, well, as long as you are talking to the clients, <laughs> as long as I don't have to handle the communication with the clients, like I'm good. Yeah. Like we can do all the stuff with the sourcing and everything manufacturing. That's, that's what, that's our bread and butter, but like customer service side of things, you know, with, the cultural differences uh, that's where we've had issues in the past and okay. not not that my employees are rude or anything like that it's just like sometimes they don't explain things the way people would understand yeah you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You know it's like you know. especially with the chinese the chinese yeah. western thing like i mean yeah. you know all too well like you could be talking to someone and you think they're being rude but they're just yeah. not it's just yeah they're just talking the way not, they yeah, yeah if, if you but if you're not raised to t- be told like whatever it is i like, can do what manners like saying thank you yep. and goodbye and home, yep. whatever it is like you're not yeah. being rude it's just your culture and and as, mu- as much as i could train my staff I, i've trained my staff to you know communicate in certain ways and things like that and i've noticed my employees have picked up a lot of the sort of you know uh, niceties in, in language but it's just still not the same. It's just yeah, not the yeah, same. Yeah. Like, no, and I, I've seen it. I've seen customers get like irritated or whatever. Like, yeah. and it's like it's just because of the language barrier. It's a cultural yeah. barrier. Well, yeah, one hundred percent. Like, I'm always at it. Yeah. Like, I'm always kind of like trying to like just messing whoever what factory I'm communicating on WeChat and yeah. asking how they are and if they had a good weekend and just trying to have a bit of fun with them and they just they don't get it. Like, they don't. Yeah. They just like you got me like, a good weekend. Someone's like, why are you asking me about my weekend? (laughs) Like I always I always mess with Imogen and call her boss. Yeah. And like you can see, like I remember the first few times I did it, it's just like again, it's just it's just that kind of like, is he really calling me the boss or is he like what's going on? Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's quite funny. Yeah, like with Imogen, um, so her like actual Chinese pronunciation of her name is Jen Jen. So I didn't I didn't know about that until like maybe I guess a few months in. So like obviously everybody's calling her Imogen in the office and everything, and then when I found out Jen Jen, like we're having like a team meeting, and then I just started saying Jen Jen, and she was like, she looked at me like what, <laughs> and then like everybody else was laughing, but like she was like, oh, why are you calling me Jen Jen? I was like, that's your first name, right? How did you know? I was like, it's in the contract, like you <laughs> you wrote it. I just translated it so I could see the Pinyin version, but yeah, so it's just like yeah, little things like that. This is culturally like I mean. 
you know, for other people, it'd just be like, it's a, it's a funny joke or whatever. But like for, yeah. for her, she was kind of like discompopulated. But yeah, so that, that's that's one of the things. So like I, with our partnership, that was really key for me. It was like, oh, Alan's going to handle, you know, 80% of the communication with the clients. It's fantastic. Like that allows us to just focus on what we do best. Yeah, and I think like, again, it's working to strengths, right? It's like, like bringing bringing in new clients, I think I think we both agree is the is the hard part of this. Um, yeah. Kind of getting out to people what you do, and like a lot of mine is is kind of word of mouth. Like I haven't mm-hmm. done much marketing. Um, like I think your podcast is probably one of your best avenues, which is how I came across you. Um, and it's very, I know we've touched on this in the past. It's very so the sourcing world seems to be a very old man's game. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I haven't met too many other people, not that I'm very young, but I haven't met too many people your age in, in the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, getting there. So it's, it's again, like, not like, I mean, I don't know if anyone else is doing a sourcing podcast. Or like, hey, they, 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 they have definitely come up. I think we were the first. I think yeah. I would I would say that we were the first. Manufacturing wise, uh, Michael Michelini's podcast was talking about business in China in general. So he did touch on yeah. sourcing and stuff like that. But is in he, terms of a specific, yeah, he's in China because uh, he went back at the beginning. Of, I, I actually literally have like his suitcase in my oh, really? <laughs> in my in my apartment. That's it. I'll okay. I'll just tell the random side note. So if anybody's watched this episode, I did a podcast with Michael Michelini when I first arrived in the Philippines in 2020 and um, he was about to go on vacation with his employees from the Philippines because he's got like a call center here and uh, you know he went to Cebu with this the employees and the, actually part of the podcast we were talking about is like he was asking me whether he should go to China or no because quarantine and all this stuff and that, at that time COVID was pretty much only in China as far as we knew. I think we only had one case in the Philippines. So I told him, which is bad advice, and I'm happy he didn't listen to me. <laughs> I told him, I was like, yeah, just stay here, man. Why would you go to China? Like, I'll just stay in the Philippines. So he was like, right, now I'll think about it, I'll think about it. So then he went on vacation to Cebu, did not even get to leave the hotel because we literally went in, Cebu went into lockdown as he arrived. So while he was on the plane, they went into lockdown. So his staff came back to Manila. And then he's now like thinking to himself, like, okay, I can't go back to Manila because at the end of the day, again, this lockdown is about to happen in Manila in like in a few days. And then he just booked a flight to China and went went to his wife and kids. So so he just left from Cebu directly. I think he flew maybe into the airport in Manila and then went uh, to to China. And yeah. he's been there since. since. But it was the right it was the right move because at the end of the day it's like if he had if he didn't go then he wouldn't have been able to go to China for like I don't know six to eight months like going especially with his family there right yeah with his kids and, and his wife and he hadn't seen his kids and his wife in a few months already at that stage because he okay. had been working so it was like, yeah it was a it was the right move yeah he didn't didn't take my advice and that was good in that situation okay yeah. In that situation, but most of the time you should take my advice. <laughs> but yeah, what were we talking about before the, the Michelin? Oh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just uh, and marketing sourcing. Yeah, yeah, that's actually we need to. That's the next one. We need to get uh, Brian on and Adele on from from Fuel to to kind of round off this this project as well, which I think would be good having them on, and kind of might might open the net a bit wider as well with them putting it out to their network. 
but like and i think like even just it's kind of again back to having boots on the ground with imogen and the team there like it's so difficult unless you're going down the alibaba route which has a lot of has a lot of pros but also has a lot of cons and if you're if you're new to sourcing it's just very difficult so like having people on the ground or having a team or having having kind of like agents to go through at the moment when you can't get into china i think um i think it's a big 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 advantage yeah i mean it's just like it's resources right like you tap into a, a people that have more experience experience than you and have more resources than you to get things done yep. you know it's just it's just a good way to to work i don't i mean we talk about this before it's like um if you're starting a company or you're running a company it's working on your business versus working in your business type mm-hmm. of thing where it's like okay you hire professionals to do what they do best and then you can focus on other stuff to grow your your company uh, and for a lot of people, I think it's difficult. It was difficult for me as well. Like when when we first started, because I was doing everything when we first started. I was doing the sourcing. I was doing the Alibaba communication uh, or everything, QC inspections, like everything that we do in the company. And it's like over time, I had to start to let go of those things and, and you know, hire people to do those things and trust them to do their work yeah. efficiently. And uh, I mean, obviously, it's a very difficult thing to do because you always feel, not always, but a lot of times you feel like I could have done this better. But at the same time, it's like ultimately the business grew from me yeah. letting go of control. Yeah, yeah. You've got, you've got to have that trust in people and not micromanage. Yeah. Like I often yeah. find that I'm like, oh, I'll chase up again on WeChat. And then it's just like, no, just like if someone was doing it to me, it would, it would piss me off. So huh. don't do that as well. And it's it's the only way you kind of grow is, is is partnering and bringing in teams is definitely the way to do it. In general, I guess this is like a more of an abstract question. Where do you see all this stuff going with fuel and PayPal? Because um, I mean, we got we got a lot of things that potentially could happen, right? They, re, they sent the email out to those companies. You know, we see what they're doing with Wallfest. I think there's plenty of growth. I think. The PayPal, we're, we're going to have another PayPal project for, for Christmas, which again will be, we'll get it a lot sooner, which will be good. Fuel have been running events for, for people who don't know, Ireland um, is a big hub for all the big tech companies from the US. So Google, Facebook, Airbnb, all of them, they're all, all their European headquarters are all based in Dublin for, for tax reasons. And fuel have been doing live events for google and facebook and whoever else is kind of kicking around there for the last five or six or seven years pre-covid so they've got their feet in the door um, um, can you can you just expand on the tax reasons though just real quick oh like um tech companies only have to pay i think it's 13 percent. it was um a law the irish government passed in the 80s maybe early 90s to try attract companies into into very Ireland, smart. very smart. They did it with the um, the big pharmacy companies mm-hmm. in the sort of sixties and seventies. So all big pharma businesses have their headquarters in Ireland as well. So they just did it again. And I know Trump at one stage was trying to get them to all go back, but he wanted <laughs> Facebook and Google to move to Middle America, and they're all like, mm-hmm, "Don't think so." Um, so. Yeah, I think I think there's lots of opportunity there for it. Like they had told me they'd already started conversations with Google about it, which would be really cool working on a project with them. 
Yeah, I mean, I know we were talking about this in the first episode. I was like, I never thought that would be working with a company like PayPal. Like, it's not even something that I even. (laughs) It's not something that was on my radar. I I think I think PayPal have four hundred million customers worldwide. Yeah, I'm one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So yeah, but like, I also I think Google would be another a step up from that, right? Um, Yeah. So yeah, I like there there will be there'll be some other opportunity there with guys they've already worked with and then see how this email goes i mean i've never been in a project involved in a project that's emailed thirty thousand people now it's cold calling emails so the hit rate's going to be very low but then following up with this trip to san fran and they've got the team in place to to try and get those conversations off the ground like i i would think they'll land two or three other people that will be doing similar projects to the PayPal project. And just mm-hmm. like I've seen it over the years, like when you have that one big name in your pocket that you've worked with and you've done something for, and you can show people that it makes a big, big difference. So yeah, so yeah. I think plenty of growth there. The wow store that we're working on for PayPal. So it's like in the in-house store that PayPal have or that they're developing. So there's going to be lots of opportunity um, essentially be setting up um, fuel or setting up uh, distribution and fulfillment in the states and in Ireland, and then we'll be handling distribution in Asia through a 3PL here in Hong Kong, sourcing all the products, shipping it to the three locations, and essentially running the Asia version. I mean, like an e-com business. Mm-hmm. But PayPal want to bring down their carbon footprint. They've previously been shipping too much stuff all around the world, so I think there'll be lots of opportunity there where. We're in the sort of early stages of, of getting that all worked out. And I've been working with one of the team at, at Fuel and we've done all our part. So just waiting for PayPal. There's there's a lot of security issues just with all the data and all the information. So hopefully that will be kind of kicking off around, um, around Q2, Q3. So we're in Q2, so in Q3 this year. So yeah, I think there's, I think there's definitely lots. Yeah, Crazy, yeah. they're already, already in Q2, and I'm 30 yeah. years old now. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Main Cheddar Podcast. If you want to reach out to us, that's podcast at sourcefinanger.com. If you want to check out the show notes from the episode that you just watched, that's sourcefinanger.com slash made in China. And be sure to also check out our YouTube channel, Source Asia, all one word. Cheers. Cheers.